0: Welcome to the Get Loved Up podcast. I'm Koya Webb, founder of Get Loved Up, where we inspire you to love yourself more, love others more, and love the planet more. Each week, I'll interview a special guest who will share their insights on how they practice daily self-care, tackle tough challenges in life, and thrive in the world one breath at a time. You will be inspired to take control of your life as you heal yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, and create a reality in alignment with your deepest passions. Let's get loved up. Everybody's searching for something to feel that
1: empty. Mark Victor Hansen is best known as the co-author for Chicken Soup for the Soul book series and brand setting world record in book sales for over 500 million books sold. Mark also worked his way into a worldwide spotlight as a sought after keynote speaker and entrepreneurial marketing maven, creating a stream of successful people who have created massive success for themselves through Mark's unique teachings and wisdom. With his endearing charismatic style, Mark captures his audience's attention as well as their hearts. Having spoken to over 6,000 audience worldwide with his one-of-a-kind technique and masterful authority of his work, time and time again, he continues to receive high accolades from his audiences as one of the most dynamic and compelling speakers and leaders of our time. Mark and his beautiful wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, have co-authored their newest book to be released April 2020 called Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. Welcome! Ah, oh, This is such a treat to have you on the Get Loved Up podcast. How are you?
2: We're good.
3: Thanks, Koya.
2: We're excited to be with you.
1: I am just honored because so many people in this world have benefited from your wisdom and your teachings. And right now, we're in an epic time of, of a new beginning. So can you share a little bit about how you have kind of gone through tough times um, and how you've used those tough times to to start your own beginning for yourselves?
2: Absolutely. I'd say that breakdown times are breakthrough times for everyone. And it's hard to do it when you're in the quagmire. It's hard to believe that there is a bigger, better, brighter future. But in my own experience in 1974, I lost $2 million in one day. It went, it's went so fast I didn't see it coming. I built you know, in New York, I built the Wall Street Record Club, Botanical Gardens, Aviaries, homes, and I thought, oh, I am a hotshot. I'm in my 20s and I'm really cooking. And all of a sudden I was building out of PVC plastic wrong time because the oil embargo hit. And I crashed and burned so fast I had to check a book at the library. I <laughs> to go bankrupt by yourself. So, <laughs> you know, if you ask the wrong question, which is what we're right. teaching today, you'll get the wrong results. So it was my best, worst experience. For six months, I'm sleeping out in front of another guy's room <clears throat> in a sleeping bag. And I keep asking myself deep, profoundly, what am I supposed to do? What is my destiny? Where am I going to go? And all of a sudden, it came to me. I'm supposed to talk to people that care about things that matter that make a life-changing destiny and transformation for them. And all of a sudden I went down to my, I had three roommates in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. Boy, the appropriate place to live at the time. And uh, I said, guys, do you know anyone who's speaking and making a living that's not a lawyer, not a doctor, not a theologian, not a Broadway star, a celebrity, and is young? And he said, yeah, yeah, this kid here, he's talking out in on What a miracle. He said, here's a ticket and I'm not going today. He's talking to all the rulers, and here you take my ticket. John gave me his ticket and I raced the only thing the bankruptcy court did not take a little $400 pitted window, permanently air conditioned Volkswagen out to Hawpaw going out in New York. I get there and this guy, Chip Collins who later became my great friend mesmerized the audience for three hours. I mean, it was just, I was in awe. I go up to him at the end and I asked, I said, Chip, I want to do what you do. He said, look, kid, chance you make it is one in a thousand. You're not going to make it. Go do a real job. I said, no, no, I'm buying you lunch. Let me just ask the questions. He said, okay, I'll let you ask. If you stay out of real estate, I own the five boroughs of New York. You go into life insurance. It's a bottomless pit for motivation. Long story short, you know, Tony Robbins and I were later on talking, and we both did 1,000 talks a year for the first three years. So I was either selling talks or giving them <laughs> amazing and then said, said you have that story in a book and the first book i did was called stand up speak out and win self-published and i sold it to little groups of six ten twenty people never more than 50 and i said this isn't a new york times bestseller it's not even a national bestseller but it is my bestseller Mm -hmm. (laughs) i want to autograph you and your kids and your dog and it was ten dollars each we sold twenty thousand copies sold two hundred thousand copies I'd made $200,000 like today's money. That's almost like $2 million. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I was all over success <laughs> again. The, the point I'm making for everybody listening is if you ask the right question, you figure out your destiny, you're going to get the right answers, go the right direction, and get the right results. And every one of us now has been locked down because of COVID-19 and COVID-21 and humma, humma. In this in this uh, cocoon, and we'll break out if we ask smart questions. Because you don't get what you deserve, you get what you ask for.
1: Mm. Wow! Thank you for that that history on how you just really um, took your your will and and, and your um, resilience, and just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to do what I what what I want to do, and it's going to be good. And you you did it, and I think that's profound. Um, that you say ask the right questions. And I think everyone listening right now probably has a similar question as me. What is the right question to ask right now?
3: So Koya, when we started putting this book together, we realized, Mark and I both realized, I'm a transformational life coach, board certified hypnotherapist. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients through the years. So I've been through a lot of different journeys with people. Mark and I speak all over the world together. And um, he and I were, were just noticing like all these incredible people that we meet, um, some of them have four times more talent than they'll ever use in a lifetime, but what, why are they falling short? Like this woman should be running a city and she's barely getting by, why? And this guy could be a CEO, why is he struggling so much? And when we looked at our own lives the struggles we've been through and what was that differentiating factor that got us through the difficult times, through the adversity, through being stuck downtrodden beat up how did we get through that successfully and go on to create ever greater amounts of you know success in our relationship um, success in our careers um, and success in our well-being you know ever greater levels of health and wellness And when we started looking to that that and saying, if you could say, bring that down to one little system, one little technology, what is the most important one? And what we realized is it's the ability to ask. And we differentiated that as there are actually three channels through which you need to learn to ask as a human being so that you can get from your downtrodden you know, adverse states into your ultimate state of expression. Cause we all have that. We all have more talent than we'll ever use more ability than we'll ever use, but it's like the bridge on how to get there. Well, that's why we wrote ask the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. Right. Because in each of those states, we determined that there are three channels you need to learn to ask. And those are ask yourself, ask others, And ask God and each one of those is equally important and then we decided to interview all of these incredible people some just living really uh ordinary you know but wonderful lives and some who are billionaires or you know superstars and in each of those journeys we found the same thing to be true what differentiated them how did they all went through stuff none of them had this perfect life like we look at people who are successful we think oh man, they just have it easy. They were just, you know, they, whatever, all the stories we tell ourselves, but it's never true. No one really has it easy in life. This is, you know, life is a university of hard knocks for all of us in many ways, <laughs> in different ways, right? But the thing those people have in common is that they transcended their adversity. They transcended their downtroddenness. They transcended those things by asking themselves themselves asking others and ask God the right questions at the right time in the right way and that is what this book is about it's it, we wanted people to take this magnificent journey with us through this asking process because when you do everything changes.
1: Mm, I love that. ask yourself ask others ask God I definitely can say. That's the everyday practice for me before I even read your book. It's just, it's just asking those questions as a life coach, we're taught to ask questions. And so, and asking questions is my favorite thing to do, because that's how you get stories. So my question for you, and I want to go to relationships because y'all are goals uh, two power couples, two beautiful people coming together uh, to for a common purpose. And so, what question have you asked in your relationship that has helped you thrive for this long?
3: That's a good. You want to start with
2: that one? Well, let me go back to. <laughs> I went through a really painful divorce, so I asked myself before I could ask another, "What is it?" What are the qualities, the values, the virtues that I've got to have that she would have to have, so we could amalgamate and have, you know, two hearts become one soul, right? And that's called a soulmate. But then we're the higher level of that called the twin flame, where you put two candles that are lit together, it exponentially goes eightfold. So, I wrote down 267 things I needed in my ideal other person, right? We'd have the same religious values, same spiritual values. She had the love to travel. She had to unindicably love me and me, her. Because we're a little older, we're going to have to have, we'd probably have kids. If the kids are alive, they got to get along with each other. All those kind of things, because, you know, when you're young and single, you go, oh man, I want him. He's got a Ferrari or whatever. and, And I want me a hot babe or whatever it is. And all I'm saying is that's superficial right? Once you get a little further along, you've got higher values. And, and uh, so when we met, she was, she. I never told her until after we got married, right? When I teach that you set goals, you get goals, but you don't go, I got the milk, I got the eggs, I got the butter and cross it out. You write down in the highest color of God in purple, you know, victory. And she was victory. She was 267 out of 267. So I knew I had a, a much greater opportunity than, than uh, my first Trial
1: wrong. It wasn't very good. <laughs> wow, 267. I don't think I've ever made a list that long. That is what you call clear clarity. You're clear on what you want. that is that is an amazing story. and I think so many times we're afraid to ask. We're afraid to ask what we for what we want because we're afraid we're not gonna get it. So what would you say to that person that's listening and that's just like kind of scared, like actually, like how do I get over this fear of asking and then not getting it and feeling like a failure?
3: Right, and it's it's so true Koi, what you just said, like all of us are so afraid to ask And I just wanna back it up for a second because we have to understand that we came into this life as children so beautiful so pure every one of us was uncorrupted in our ability to ask nothing in life had shut us down and in our little human child spirit you know we asked for everything we wanted to know who what when where why how we were you know wildly curious because we were learning so quickly and we also weren't afraid to ask for more more and more right and basically asked for everything But that is the beautiful thing about a child, about a human being um, who is in this world to evolve. That's why we are like that as children, because intrinsically, we know we're here to evolve. That's our spirit wanting to grow. And then depending on how we were parented or, you know, what happened in our schooling experience or jobs and, you know, just basic life rejection over time, that beautiful ability To ask that natural thing we have inside of us gets crushed out of us in different ways. And suddenly we find ourselves standing there as adults, first of all, afraid to ask anyone anything or really dare ask ourselves what is our ultimate limit. And then also almost ashamed to admit that we don't know everything. You know, so we shut down our own curiosity. And so what Mark and I are saying in this book taking people through this journey of bringing back that childhood curiosity, that beautiful part of yourself that's still in there somewhere, where we just need to bring it back to life. And the funny thing is the studies that we did on asking kind of showed the same thing, which is exactly what you were just talking about, is that people are so afraid to ask for anything, especially asking others for help, assistance, information, because everybody going into the study Showed that um, they either thought they would be perceived as being stupid, ignorant, uninformed, or they might be perceived as if they were asking for help or something or assistance, they might be pushy or obnoxious or something like that. And the studies revealed that the opposite is true that honestly, human beings like to help if they can. We're wired to help each other. Human beings are wired to help. So we need to stop being so afraid. Now, that doesn't mean every single thing you ask for, someone will be able to help you. But what we teach people is it's, if, if they can't help you, it's not about you. It's not about you. We all get into our own little narcissistic state, like, oh, they couldn't help me. It means I'm terrible or I'm stupid or I'm, I'm useless or whatever. It's not really about you. Honestly, if somebody can't help you, or they're, even if they're a cranky or they responded in a negative way, that really has so much to do about what's going on with them and very little to do with you. It's maybe they're having a horrible day. Maybe someone, they just got bad news. Maybe they're feeling really badly about themselves or they just don't have the inner resources. They're tapped, they're drained, whatever, but we just have to bless them and move on, you know, because that perfect person, that perfect matchup is waiting for us. That person, you know, when we ask that person that's going to be our grantor of wishes and we talk about becoming a grantor of wishes or being a grantor of wishes in this lifetime and what a beautiful experience that is. Because, you know, asking is the way, you know, because so now we're talking about the ask others part. There's ask yourself, ask others, ask God. Asking is the way that human beings bond. And if we're not asking, we we're not bonding. It's just so important. And part of that is that curiosity about each other, like. Really sincerely wanting to know about this other human being. And also the studies, one other thing about the studies, Harvard studies and others showed that people who ask the most questions in relationships, whether it's business relationships um, or personal relationships, were perceived to be the most likable people. So it's so important that we learn to ask more questions and be that person. And people in dating scenarios were more likely to get a second date.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that you can't receive if you don't ask. A lot of people, we are, we, you know, with that fear of asking, I think that we miss out on what is actually for us. And like you said, in relationships, in jobs, you don't know what's expected of you, how you're doing if you don't ask, well, how am I doing? What's expected? And so I can imagine how that would be like, okay, they're, they're They care. Because I feel like when you ask a person, even if it's just asking a person, how are you feeling today? It's showing that that you care about your life, about your relationship, about about your health. So I, I love that. Ask, ask yourself, ask others, ask God. And so what are some of the guide, what are some of the guidance you share in your book about asking God and and how you how you ask God for for things that you desire in your life?
2: Okay, we, what we discovered is, and the reason we put this subtitle of Ask the Bridge from your Dreams to Your Destiny, we believe unequivocally everyone's got a great destiny, at least one, and many if guys like Elon Musk, multiple, and I've got multiple, she's got multiple, but everyone's got at least one. So what happens is the asking God part is the, the model we're saying, before you go to sleep at night, you go into a hypnagogic state of trance, and you tell yourself multiple times, up to 101 times, God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? And tell your sweetiekins if you're sleeping with somebody, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night. Mark and Crystal said, this is the way it works. Have a pen and a paper next to the bed because you're going to have the answer. And you've got to write it down in detail when it comes through. Get up, turn on light because it will. And when Jack and I needed the title for our chicken soup books, which we ultimately sold $500 $500 million after we got 144 rejections, rejection, so I'm good at taking a rejection, I guess, because <laughs> uh, I was the one at the front lines getting beat up more, a little bit more than Dr. Canfield. In any case, um, he called me up we we said, mega best title, mega best Suntel title. We are asking God, what's the title for this book? Because we knew we had a great book and great, phenomenal stories that were heart-touching, soul-penetrating. 2.58 in the morning, calls up. This is before cell phones. This is like 1989. Wakes up the whole house. You know, because you think, oh, my God, the house on fire or something back in the old days when, it, you know, we didn't have a way to shut it off. And I get it. Yes. He said, chicken soup. I said, for the soul. I said, we got it. I got goosebumps. He got goosebumps. That was you know, God's <laughs> answer. And that's how it works. But we're smart enough to write it down to capture it and keep it.
1: That's so good. I love it. You're like, I'm good at taking rejection. I love one of your quotes. When you get rejection, you say next. Right. Next and Next
2: year, four letters are clean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and it just goes to show what is for you is for you and what is not was not for you. And I think sometimes people get caught up in the rejection versus the fact that that just might not have been for you. Can you
3: speak a little right. bit on that? Yeah, and that's so important. Okay, so we exactly, we want something, we think it should come in a particular way, so we ask for it and it doesn't come that way. Sometimes it is God's perfectly orchestrated universe saving us for the right thing. And that has happened to me so many times where I'm like so disappointed that didn't happen in that way. But then right after something better came along because I've learned to accept it. I've learned learned to just say, "Okay, God, you know, your answers are going to come in at the right time in the right way. And I'm just staying open. You have to stay open and stay in that, stay in wonder. And and, uh, we'll talk about preparing to be a good asker but that's part of it. And so you start when you live in that state of wonder and expectation, you'll realize the answer is coming and the best path for you is coming but just keep looking for it. Don't shut down after you get this perceived rejection um, because it didn't happen in the way at the time that you thought it should. It could be exactly paving your pathway for the real result that is in store for you.
1: I love that. And I have a follow-up question to that because the biggest question that I get is how long will it take? And how do you discern between, okay, let me keep moving towards this goal or say next, how do you discern between those things?
3: See, that's such a good question. I I say you don't give up. I mean, can you imagine, like if you think about Mark, you know, being rejected 144 times, like both of their (laughs) ex-wives were like, you guys are losers. (laughs) You're never going to do this. But all, all of the publishers were like, no thanks, no one's gonna read these little happy stories. So you would take all of that rejection and go, we're just off track. I mean, we've tried so hard. It's take. we've been doing this a couple of years. It would be easy to, to do that. But I think you need to keep looking at your dream and, and questioning it. And, and that's what they did. Do people, what is good about this dream? Why do we, why are we so, why do we believe in this book so much? And the the answer to that was because everyone loved it, so they were using those stories in their respective seminars because they were both pretty big speakers at the time, and they knew people were touched, moved, moved to tears, transformed by their stories. And so they're like, the evidence is still there. So I think when you're looking around and you still see some evidence, you know, look around and say, what is the evidence that I'm on track? And there's always little pieces of evidence, and also how does it feel inside of you? Because I think um, sometimes we need to rely on our intuition a little more. And that's, you know, sort of God's, people say, how do I hear God's answers? And sometimes the answer of God is through your intuition. And, you know, and that's like about going into that soft, quiet space in your mind going, okay, I'm listening, give me the direction, give me you know if if there's something i'm not seeing maybe it's a little bit of re-vectoring um maybe the reason it's not happening in exactly that way that's causing me to think oh should i give up is because you're not open to a slightly different version of it you know something that might be pulling you just a little bit this way and that's again about staying in the question staying in wonder continue asking is there something around me that I'm missing, right? And there's so many different um, processes in the book that will help you with that and stay in that process. Um, you know, We talk about the seven roadblocks, we talk about a whole bunch of different things that'll help you get through those times. Absolutely. And I want to definitely unpack
1: the seven roadblocks. I think that's very important for people to know, because sometimes it's not the what, it's the how. And when we get those roadblocks, that can deter us and throw us off track when we're actually on the right path. So can you share a little bit about the seven roadblocks?
2: OK, so seven roadblocks are number one is unworthiness Then number two is fear and doubt. We get pattern paralysis where you keep doing the same thing and expecting a new results. Einstein said, "Then you're cuckoo, meaning crazy." You know, <laughs> then obviously <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. All the way to naivete and then and a disconnection, which the, the worst thing about, as far as I'm concerned personally, and, and we can talk about any one of them, but this whole COVID lockdown putting us in a cocoon has got a lot of us disconnected. We're socially disconnected, and I think. Community creates immunity, and, and we, we're we in a state here in Arizona that we still can have restaurants and that, but all the functions are gone. Like we can't go out and do talks and the, the churches and all that stuff, all of which metaphorically breaks my heart just because I want all this stuff to work. Now, any one of us has one or more of the seven things working against us, and the minute – here's what we're getting. We're getting like 121 letters the other day. Crystal went through all of them. People say, "Oh my gosh, I never got to look at that objectively and put the mirror in front of me." About I do have a sense of unworthiness. I do have big at sorry, big doubts. <laughs> I was just read my mind what they said. I didn't mean to be offensive. I, you know, they, they they're, they're really in there. So each one of us has got to look at it, confront it, and, and you know. The goal is to look at your peers and make them disappear, the cliché from FDR.
1: I love that. And I love that you said community creates immunity. That is powerful. Powerful. That is so powerful. And even while we're here on this podcast, like this is a community and right now we have to be virtual right now, but I 100% agree with you that community creates immunity and the more that we can come together and communicate and talk and educate one another with the questions, with your book, with that, that will and that faith beyond your fear. Because I personally, I don't know if you all have had a chance to read my book, but I believe fear is just feedback to places within ourselves that need to be nurtured because I'm a firm believer that love is all there is. And so fear is even uh, our best friend, it's our asset. It's like our emotions, whether it be anger or sadness, just showing us that there's something wrong. Just like you said, as we we're a little kid, we we something's wrong. And as a parent, we ask, what's wrong? Um, what do you need? Um, and we should ask ourselves that question, as you all say, like if we're, we're angry, we're in fear, what's wrong? What do you need? And so with that, what have been some of the most profound questions, um, that you've asked yourself that have led to, um, big shifts in your life?
3: So, um, you know, I'm just going to tell you a little story about a particular time in my life personally, that was really big for me. Cause I think a lot of people can relate I was one of those kids who uh, found high school to be kind of easy and boring. (laughs) And so I accelerated my curriculum and graduated myself at age 16 and married my boyfriend who was five years older. Not a great life plan as it turns out, right? (laughs) So I find myself like two and a half years later, I'm in a new city, no family, no friends, no idea how I was gonna support myself with a baby on my head, divorced. divorced. And, um, so I did the only thing I could think of, and that was to apply for food stamps. And I remembered standing in the line that day at the grocery, um, cashier, ready to turn my food stamps over for food and diapers. And it was so crazy because I had this crazy epiphany and it was like for a second time slowed down and I felt like a spotlight was shining on my head, but this question dropped into my mind. And here's the question part. First of all, it was, how did I get here? And I just heard that question so loudly in my mind, like suddenly my moment of truth followed by this instant question that was, are you doing everything you can to, to get yourself out of this situation? Or are you taking the easy way out? And I was like, busted. I felt like it was my moment of truth. I knew instantly when that question dropped into my mind, I knew the answer. I knew I wasn't doing everything I could to get myself out of it. And I kind of was taking the easy way out. You know, and so I didn't even know what that was that I was supposed to be doing, but I knew that there was something more. and so, as I was turning those food stamps over to the cashier, I was, had so much sudden conviction it was like a pivot that my soul made, and I was like, "This will not be my future," as I handed those over to her, and I went back to my little apartment where I was getting eviction notices every month, and i I knew I didn't really have answers, but I had questions, so I started asking like. Who would hire me next month or immediately next week, tomorrow? What are my skills? What, you know, what could I do to make money? And um, instantly when I started asking the questions, I remembered something. And this is what questions do. When you ask yourself a question, research shows that a different part of your brain lights up and becomes a better resource to you. So as I start asking myself those questions, I go, oh, I remembered hearing on the radio about these temp service agencies. You can, you know, come work for us tomorrow. And I was like. Oh yeah. So I called them up. It was like Kelly Girls, Kelly Services. How do I apply? They're like, fill out the application. We'll send you these jobs. You can say yes or no. So I started doing these jobs for them. And um, you know, I had worked in high school at my I worked in my dad's law offices and I'd worked at a, a clothing store and I, and I started working when I was 14. So I thought it was cool. I worked at Taco Time. And so I started taking all these jobs. I was filling in attorneys' offices and working at you know, conventions doing sales and stuff like that, and setting up booths and malls. And I started learning a lot about myself. And I realized that I love being in the, a business environment, love working with business owners, and I especially love sales. And so I decided to put myself through real estate school. I'd made enough money. And um, at the same time, someone had approached me and said, You should do some modeling. So I thought, What do I have to lose? I'm going to ask. So I went to, to the modeling agency, the biggest one in our city. I'm like, could you sign me? And fortunately they did. They made me like walk the runway and do all this stuff. I kind of bluffed my way through cause I'd done some dance. And fortunately I did um, some television commercials. They ended up going national. So literally a little more than a year and a half from the time that I was turning those food stamps over to, to the cashier, I'm now working for as a licensed realtor for the biggest home builder in our Valley. And I became the number one salesperson for my company and at the same time suddenly i'm getting this residual income in from my television commercials and when you get a certain amount of money made then you get to join the screen actors guild so i have like the best insurance benefits for myself and my son and i would often think back about that moment that pivotal moment where it would have been so easy for me to like cascade down into my victimhood you know poor me i'm young i'm a single mother I I have every excuse, right? But i was so thankful that that question came into my mind. And that um, because it was a tough question, you know, are you doing the best you can? Are you taking the easy way out? And and you have to have courage sometimes to answer your own questions, honestly, right? And I'm thankful that I had that courage to do that because I knew I wasn't. And that is what caused me to take a different action from that point forward. And then from that point forward, my life just kept going in an upward direction when I know that it could have gone straight down.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that question. Are you doing your best? And I think, yes. honestly, if everyone asks themselves through that question, there's always a space where we can level up. So I'm definitely writing that question down. I want to, because I have uh, some questions I ask myself every day at noon How are you feeling and what do you need? just to really make sure as a, you know empath and person that does a lot for others, I rarely check in on myself. So how do you, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to add, are you doing your best? Are you doing your best? Cause I think that's such a profound question. So thank you for sharing that with us to really make sure that in any situation we're doing our best because that's all we're asked to do every single day, every person, no matter where you're at, are you doing your best? Are you doing the best that you can? And if you honestly ask yourself and you every single day, are you doing your best? You will get those answers that can lead to the next evolution of yourself. So thank you so much. Such a sweet story and so happy that you chose to do better for yourself and knew that you had the power to do better for yourself and your son. And now beautiful, um, beautiful blessings have poured into your life. So congratulations. That's so
3: beautiful. Thank you.
0: With everything going on in the world, now is a perfect time to pour into yourself. If you've been thinking about joining the wellness community and learning more about your health and wellness and how to improve the well-being of others, then the Get Loved Up Holistic Health and Yoga Teacher Training is for you. We have a variety of offerings from the 100 hour to get a taste of how holistic health and yoga can bless your life and the 200 to 500 hours to deep dive into the study of how meditation, breathwork, yoga, and mindful living can transform your health and the health of our world. Go to KoyaWeb.com forward slash YTT for more details. I'll see you there.
1: So I have a question for both of you. If you could go back um, to tell your, I guess, 16-year-old self anything, what would it be? What advice would you
3: give your 16-year-old self? Uh, That is such a great question. I love that. I think for me, it would be don't spend so much time time trying to worry about people who let you down or, you know, who maybe didn't do everything right. Just focus on your own game. Don't try to fix those people. Don't try to fix them, even if they're in your family. Focus on (laughs) what you can do.
2: She's to, one of nine, so yourself, it's a big problem. To bring
3: yourself, you know, to the world in the best way you can bring yourself to the world. I think that's I would have I would have done that.
1: I love that you said, even if they're in your family, because I know that's the hardest thing. It's like, if they're in your family, like, no, but we're family. So I have to help them. I have to make sure my family's good. And that's where people get caught up the very most. Because if you just lead by example and do the best you can intrinsically, your shine, your glow up is going to affect them in a beautiful way. But it's that that feeling like you have to that can not only be unreceived by family members, but also completely drain you. Um, so thank you for adding in that caveat of it's, even if they're in your family, still focus on yourself, your goal, your shine, because that's that's going to help people out anyway at the end of the day. Thank you so much. And Mark. you can't
3: save everybody right it's that whole idea you can save i think i had that idea and you can't you can't save but you can shine and that what you just said is just so perfect
1: You can inspire people. People are inspired by your shine more than they are about your words. Because a lot of people might say things, but maybe not even doing it themselves or maybe say things that they think are true. But someone, if they don't see you going through hardship in the moment, or maybe they think you don't understand what they're going through, the words are not going to be convincing. It's like the action. It's the acts that action speaks louder than words. So thank you so much. Such a, such a beautiful story and so true about us really having to take responsibility of our own lives. And people will be inspired um, by the works, the more that we share our own personal story. So Mark, I want to hear from you. What would you tell your 16 year old self?
2: First of all, I love the question. uh, And I I would probably tell myself, I wish you'd uh, written and tried to publish earlier because I already could write at 16. And I had Remember, I came out of from first grade to sixth grade. I was in the dumb class. I was in remedial reading um, because my parents were Danish immigrants, and they didn't have ESL. English was a second language at that time. So I grew up in a – I thought everybody on Saturday night went to the Danish Brotherhood, and all the kids were blonde with blue eyes. You know, it just was where I lived. In it just existed. It wasn't racist. One of the things that you'll appreciate, and then I'll go back to your question, is it? When my dad came in, he couldn't come into America. He had to go into Canada first. And the only people that spoke Danish were black guys from a Danish island in the Caribbean. And he'd never seen a black person and thought, whoa, and you guys speak Danish and these white guys don't. How's that break out for you? And he said, well, we're from this island in the Caribbean. It is a Danish colony. So so they uh, were
3: his best friends. They were his best
2: friends. So years You know, so- there's no racism in our family. Anyhow, so what happened when I was 16, though, is that the Beatles came out. Um, I'm 73 now. So that was 1962. And they had a little song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. I immediately started a rock group, called up my best little Scandahooian buddy, Gary Youngberg. And I said, hey, we're starting a rock group. He said, what do you play? He said, nothing. What do you play? Nothing. I said, then we'll qualify. He said, how the heck can you say that? I said, look at Ringo. Actually, he's the greatest percussionist. But the point is, I didn't know that. And my naivete got me through and we started a little rock group. I worked since I was nine years old because my parents didn't have any money and I wanted to buy stuff. So I did a lot of sales and different things. Uh, but it started the rock group and we d- started making more and more money, $17 an hour and then all the way up to five grand a night for a while. And I could pay my way through college. It was really exciting and it was fun and everybody loved it. And, and we did what's called today cause related charity. I go into YMCA. I said, look, I'll advertise our little Waukegan Township High School newspaper for $50, which was like a big thing. And we'd have 2,000 people come out and dance. It was just, it was beyond amazing. And they got half at $5 each. I got half. So I walked out with a lot of money after I paid my musician. So I I had an early learning curve at 16, 17, and 18.
1: I love that. I love that. And so you would have told yourself too, to write more because just as you were successful with your band, you could have been successful writing. But I think there's something beautiful about that success and that expression. Um, One thing that um, a lot of people feel like is that they have to give up their passions to be uh, successful. And I feel like expression, that actually... Uh, encourages and ignites your your full expression and it, it's something about the story and even how it came out just now how special it was for you to have that time to express and just do something like absolutely fun and absolutely um expressing and 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 that be part of your story and part of your journey so i love that thank you so much for for sharing that and i love also what you actually did, like what you actually did, your your full journey is like absolutely perfect the way it ended up laying out. And I think that is, again, um, like Crystal will say, it's such a, a is such a path that we have to remember that sometimes what you even end up doing forever is not how you begin. Sometimes it's about just doing what you absolutely enjoy and what makes your heart A smile, or maybe even makes you money at the time if you love it, and sometimes that can lead to other other blessings in your life. So, thank you so much.
2: My band, she said, was a prophetic name. I called it the Messengers, and uh, you know, delivering messages ever since. I should have. The other thing I would have said, I I didn't, but I should have written songs because Gary and I were really competent at doing that stuff, and I could have had a hit record, but I didn't. (laughs) What Crystal has taught me is that. A lot of my life, I didn't have any advocates. Today, you and I called a mentor-mentee relationship. And I'm a mentor to a lot of people. Back when I was 16, my parents, you know, I'm in a zone. They don't have any clue. They're going, you're making more money in a night than we do in a year. We can't teach you anything. And, and, uh, you know, and I guarantee you, my brothers were, why do they like this guy? He's not that good a musician. And I may not have been, but the heck you said about rejection and the seven roadblocks. I didn't let any of that get in my way. I just kept going forward and having a ball.
1: I love that confidence. That's what I'm getting out of. You just had this, this confidence and this ambition. And I think it is important to have confidence and ambition. You do have to believe in yourself. And and there's a lot of people that don't believe in themselves because of circumstances, because of rejection in your past. So what happens when you have a person, they don't have the confidence that you have, they, they feel like I've been knocked down by society again and again and again and again, what advice do you have to help them, you know, get past that, that rejection that they've experienced like time and time and again, they're not getting the pass, they're not getting the money, they're not getting paid.
3: Um, what advice do you have that person? You know it's such a good question it's all about letting go of that that old baggage because what happens is we have these experiences in our lives and they hurt us and sometimes it's people in our family our brothers or what we get rejected we get hurt we feel like someone didn't love us right and so that emotion um leaves a memory and and it puts down the like emotional baggage and that puts down we we put down conditions on our happiness we're like well that person didn't love me in the way I should have been loved or I deserve to be loved. And so until that person starts loving me, I can't be happy or until this person sees me in this certain way, or these people treat me in this certain way, I can't feel fully happy or I can't be successful. And we subconsciously do that all the time. We put those conditions because of these emotional experiences, we put the conditions down on our own happiness. And so that starts with, you know, that self-reflective journey that we talk about in the book, that's like, start asking your questions, you know, is this the truth, this belief that I have, I don't feel confident. I don't feel like, like I'm worth, you know, that I have the worthiness to, to become this person. Is this the truth or, or is it some belief that came from some, some condition? What, when did I first feel that? When did I first feel that feeling and what was it attached to? And, and you can trace that back to those events where it's like someone shut you down or made you feel inadequate or shamed. And you go, wait, did they make me feel inadequate or did I allow myself because of their, you know, everyone, I teach that everyone is doing the very best they can from their own state of consciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. They were probably dismissed. They were probably put down, you know, so we all come forward with our own baggage. So, we can make a conscious decision in this life to ask those questions that help us release that baggage, release the conditions that we are, we ourselves are putting on our lives. And once we release those conditions, then we go, no, I don't have to have this person's approval or this person's love. They did the best they can could. I'm going to love them back anyway. Cause that's in my power. I, you know, can you do can you make someone do anything no but you can do all kinds of things that are in your power that'll give you greater power and that's to love someone unconditionally take away the conditions and it's so freeing but and when you start doing that asking your questions and moving forward in that way you become so free you can start to fly again and you start to believe in yourself again because you just released all of those conditions and you realize there's nothing that's holding you back except you you have the power and so you know we say that's you have to prepare to be a good asker and the first thing is belief and belief means suspending all your disbelief right and 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 realizing that you know say to yourself I believe my answers are coming to me and I believe I deserve them And when you start to just repeat that over and over again, hold strong to your belief because you do deserve everything you seek in this life. You know, God is a completely abundant God. He didn't ever put any conditions on us, right? The universe is huge and expansive. And also we're created in the creator's image, right? Through our imagination, we literally can imagine ourselves into any scenario we want, And Mark and I say, you know, that's the other part of preparing to be a good asker is being able to visualize with this beautiful imagination We're the only animal that was created with this imagination. And if you think about it, every beautiful thing in this life has been created from someone's imagination. Every record, every song, every piece of art, every invention. So that's the imagination you were born with. So we're saying, bring that back to life and start to visualize, yourself at your best and then imagine ask yourself imagine your nth degree of happiness success and then start asking yourself the questions backwards in this nth degree of my happiness and success in my career and my relationships what am I doing every day who am I talking to every day who am I serving what products services am I offering how are people responding to those and in that way by asking yourself the right questions in the right way you start to literally create, you engineer your perfect life backwards.
1: I love that. You have to believe you have to. Be, I love that part of the book. I love that you said that I have my copy. I hope everyone listening um, definitely picks up a copy and reminds themselves that it's just about asking the right questions. It's just about believing in yourself and asking yourself daily, like, am I doing my best? Those are my biggest takeaways from our conversation today. So I have a little end rapid fire for you. Um, And just three questions I want both of you to answer. What is the favorite book besides your own um, that you've read in the last year?
3: In the last year. Oh my
1: gosh.
2: We read so much. So I'll do one real quick. I I just reread The Alchemist, which is the only book ever. They sell 150 million copies. And my goal is because you got to have high, lofty, inspired goals. She said go to the nth degree. So that's, I want to sell that many of Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams, Your Destiny.
3: All right. Perfect. Favorite book, Crystal? So my favorite book, it's okay. So there was this wonderful uh, new thought. Teacher from the early 1900s, I think. Uh, her name is Frances Scovell Shin, um, and it's a book produced by Hay House, published by Hay House. It's called um, something like "The Treasures of Intuition." I'm. Do you remember the exact title? Anyhow, it's brilliant. This woman is brilliant. I mean, it was when the New Thought Revolution was coming to fruition, and she talks about your intuition and how much more if we rely on our intuition, how how reliable it is, you know and as opposed to reasoning our way out of things. So I think that's one of my favorite picks for this year. Awesome. And
1: your favorite podcasts.
3: Favorite podcasts. I love Brian Scott. He, he is, I'm suddenly I'm really into this because it's, it's, he, he reads all of these authors from that era of time that these new thought authors who really talk about, you know, the, the idea that God is not this bearded man in some faraway place. God works inside of you. Okay. The essence of God only can work through you. And, you know, even the living Jesus Christ is like that river of love and life that's flowing through you. So when we think of, of God in these very real ways, it it comes to life for us so much more. So Brian Scott has a podcast where he reads he just basically reads these works and he has the most soothing voice. I'm like so addicted to this.
1: Awesome.
2: And the guy's church in New York in Upper God. Harlem's called Washington Heights. But I went there for seven years when I lived in New York, uh, Reverend Ike. And he's got, he's passed away now, but his podcasts are just, to me, illuminating, insightful, useful, and, and exceedingly helpful.
1: I love that. I love that. And last question, if you had one quote that you want to share and you can only share this one quote for the rest of your life what would it be quote or words of wisdom
2: i my own would be the size of your question determines the size of your results so ask bigger questions
3: all right and Krista. i've always loved be the change you wish to see in the world like stop you know just be it right i love it I love it. Thank you all
1: so very much. It was such a treat to have you here today. I'm so excited about everyone getting an opportunity to experience your your gift to the world with this book, Ask. And thank you so much for pouring into the Get Loved Up community. We look forward to hearing from you more. And where can everyone find you and find a copy of your book?
2: If the bookstores are open where they live, go there. Otherwise, go to Amazon, get the book. And after you got the book, go to our website, askthebookclub.com and join our book club for free. And we're going to create what we're going to call Master Askers so people fulfill their greatest destiny.
1: That
3: sounds amazing. Thank you. And connect with us on social media too. We love hearing from people. So Crystal Dwyer Hansen at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And then, of course, Mark Victor Hansen at all of the above. Um, so yeah, we love hearing from you. So reach out and connect with us. Awesome. And
1: we'll include that info in the show notes. And until next time, you all thank you so much for tuning in every single week. We're so excited about providing the most inspiring people to pour into you every single week. If you haven't already, remember to leave a review and invite someone else to listen to the podcast with you. Make sure you love yourself, love others and love the world one day at a time, one breath at a time. Peace
0: and love. I just wanna take a moment to say thank you for being part of the Get Loved Up community. I like to share topics and people making a positive impact in the world. And your feedback means the world to me. If you haven't already left a review, please leave a five-star review and let me know what you want to hear more of on the show. I'm here for you. And together, we're making the world a better place, one day at a time, one show at a time. Thank you for listening.